Hey everybody, welcome back to the Every Effort Podcast. I'm your co-host Matt. My name is Jocelyn. And we're happy to have you back this week. For anyone who's new out there, we like to talk about faith, friendships, and all kinds of different topics and issues that we encounter in everyday life. If you're someone who's been listening for a while, thank you so much for supporting us. We appreciate you, and we're happy to be on this journey, learning a lot about life, and as Matt mentioned, faith, friendships, um, relationships, and a lot, a lot more. (laughs) I'm honestly not sure there's a list long enough to capture everything we talk about, but I think what you said about learning is super true. I feel like I'm learning just sitting here talking about this stuff with you. Yeah, I think there's something in our list that anyone can can come around to to learn more about what Christianity is or someone who just wants to develop more deeply in their faith. Uh, This is the place and the kind environment that we're trying to create. So thank you guys for listening. We love you. Today we're going to be talking about atheist arguments, some apologetics, and really just some common questions that people have either about Christianity or about some of the beliefs that go along with it. So these are lists of questions that we came up with that either we've heard often, we've heard uh, through our apologetic studies, or we had as either we were coming to Christ or even once you've been a Christian, there are these questions that can pop up every once in a while where, you know, you can believe something for years and then you look at it differently and you have to reevaluate and kind of reconfirm that faith that you have. Definitely. And these kind of conversations are just a reminder that we can challenge our own faith, that, you know, we're reasonable people. We have brains that think (laughs) and are logical and but we also have feelings you know and and a lot of those feelings don't always match a lot of what we think the bible says or is trying to mean so we wanted to gather a lot of our own research and collection of questions and arguments and ideas um, because we think for one as a christian you should be prepared to answer this to other people who ask but also for yourself like if there's something that concerns you about what the bible says if you think it it is contradictory, then you, I think, have a responsibility to answer that question. Otherwise, you're wasting your life being a Christian, studying something you're not sure about, um, or you're just, you're doing a disservice for uh, your walk as a Christian. Uh, I think God is one that is very reasonable with people um, throughout the Old Testament. He is a God who is willing to change his mind about about the course of human sin and outcomes. So um, I think this is just a great reminder. It is. And one disclaimer I wanted to put up front is Jocelyn and I aren't biblical experts. We aren't no. <laughs> scholars or theologians. And the source of truth and the source that you should go to to answer all these questions for yourself is the Bible, right? Those things Partly, shouldn't be yeah. answered. Partly. Yeah, okay. You shouldn't form... <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is you shouldn't form your beliefs entirely on what other people say, even if it's a preacher or a pastor, right? Those things are great to hear different perspectives and to gain understanding. And a lot of the value you get from those is this context and this expertise that people have from studying it. But the source to go to for the truth and to look for just word for word what God is and what God says is the Bible itself. But even then, like the Bible isn't always enough for people it's it's definitely not the only book that we as christians are meant to be learning from um there's so much out there that we've learned through science and um it's our personal belief that nothing has 
has historically, scientifically, philosophically, or logically gone against what the Bible teaches, if anything, even psychologically too, we talk a lot about the psychology of being a Christian, um, have gone against what the Bible teaches. So that's pretty much, if you don't know what apologetics is, it is uh, the opposite of disproving something you're you're kind of biased towards trying to prove something so apologetics not just for christianity but it as a term in other fields is used in that way where you are bringing evidence to the table that proves the truth behind something to sum it up i think i'd call it defense of faith right it's understanding the reasons why we believe what we believe and it is at a very logical level a very granular level and i think for people who are very based in faith seeing very physical evidence very tangible evidence is really reassuring and helps us kind of validate the beliefs that we have and be reminded that there are so many things in this world that prove or at least support what we believe yeah and there's so many questions that realm from like philosophical, like something that you might learn in a university or college classroom of like answering the big questions of life. And then there are the more simpler ones that are just kind of like, if life is this way, why does the Bible say it's it's this way? Like I can't wrap my head around around that. So I think all questions are equally important and that is what we're here to kind of address. We're not experts, but we think it's an important thing to talk about. So We did collect some of the common uh, questions that we could find. We sought out social media, went through hashtags, different profiles, and just try to collect some of the common questions that uh, either atheists or non-believers and believers alike will have about their faith. Um, And we do want to split the series up into two parts. So for the most part, this first part will go into more of the reasoning and apologetic side. And then the next part, part two, so hang in for that, uh, we'll be talking more of uh, the everyday qualms that people have about the Bible. And again, it won't be thorough, but it will be something. And hopefully it's helpful and a starting point for you guys to do your own research. I think a great place to start is one of the most basic but important questions, which is, how do we know that the Bible, and specifically, how do we know that the New Testament is true? This is something that we covered recently in an apologetic study that we did with our small group, and it was really eye-opening to be reminded of all of the different types of evidence and different types of testimony that support this. Um, So I think a great place to start about the support of the New Testament's kind of validity and the accuracy of some of the statements are in the different manuscripts that we have. So compared to a lot of other early things, we have early manuscripts of the Gospels within, I believe, a hundred years of the occurrence of the events and within the uh, death of Christ, whereas a lot of other classical literature, it's very common for it to take hundreds of years. Several hundreds, yeah. Several hundred, yeah. Yeah, so people will, will like readily accept that other texts are real and legitimate Uh, and by real and legitimate well real means real but legitimate means is this as close to what the original author wrote as possible Um, because obviously we don't want to be learning from a book that's if it's not according to the original author then you know we're not really giving credit where it's due and it's not the value that it that it should be Um, so people readily accept every other historical text that they hear of. Um, 
William Shakespeare's work, uh, the Iliad, the Odyssey, and all of those that we that a lot of historians have have gathered as being very reliable as being as close to the original as possible by multiple folds like we find the bible to be more reliable than than any other document which is which is crazy and we'll we'll get into what that what that really means yeah another point that's really interesting there is how many copies we have of the new testament there were over 20,000 copies of new testament manuscripts yeah. whereas the most copied book in ancient times was the Iliad, which you brought up, that only had 1,800 copies. So across all of those, I mean, there is a lot of support and a lot of um, commonalities between them, and the only real variations are usually very textual or very um, interpretive just of using a certain word, right? It's yeah. not the events that are different, it's not the description of things that happen that are different, it's very small variations that don't have like implications on what occurred or what the manuscript is stating. So those are very valid and a lot more than we have for events, like you said, that we accept. Um, and another point about the New Testament's validity is the fact that there's a lot of embarrassing testimony in it, right? The Gospels specifically were written by the apostles, and they wrote things that would have embarrassed anyone. Like, as Peter or as any of the disciples, they wouldn't include in, you know, something that they were making up, an example where Jesus calls Peter Satan, right? There are so many yeah. examples of, like, the disciples having a big opportunity and then getting scared and running away or right. acting in fear, acting poorly. And a lot of that embarrassing testimony is a really powerful way to tell if something is true just in kind of historical text studies. Right. And that is, again, just, just one way in which which a lot of people come to believe uh, what the Bible says is that it's pretty much bare in, in the facts that it, that it has. Um, a lot of people, I think, don't know the New Test. A lot of the New Testament is a collection of witnesses. Um, a lot of people think the Bible is a mythology or it was written up to be stories, but historians, um, people, professors who study and uh, teach at universities most like and by most I mean over 80 90 percent of them would not say the Bible was written in a mythological way it was written in the way a religious text is written which is saying hey this is true this is the claims and the New Testament is not a collection of writings from one or two writers it's multiple writers we've got a lot of, of the disciples writing those books and followers of Jesus uh, like Paul writing these books and so um, that's so something to keep note is that the people writing them are claiming that they themselves experienced everything that's happened here and I heard someone say like oh if if the Bible and what it says is so important and Jesus is the way, and if Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, then why didn't Jesus write a book for us? And I think, I think that's kind of an, uh, an unfair statement to make because so much of the New Testament is quotes of Jesus speaking, you know? And if I feel like if Jesus had spent time writing a book, people would then complain, oh, he could have spent that time continuing to heal people. Like, I just feel like people are not going to be happy either way. And someone's going to believe in God when they want to believe in God. 
but uh, I don't think that discredits the Bible at all. If, if anything, you should believe the testimony of a secondary source of people who are like, people are saying what they believe in based on what they experienced, and they're sharing that experience with you. I think that's I think that's a just as valid witness to read. Um, And we do have quotes from Jesus that are written in there. Yeah, another way that uh, the New Testament is supported is through very physical findings like archaeology. And to your point about how the gospel, how the gospel specifically was written by the disciples and not by God himself, we do believe as Christians that God was a part of that writing, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. just these people relying on our very poor sense of memory and being able to write these down. God mm-hmm. was a part of that process and blessed all the writers with the ability to recall. And we see that through the very similar accounts of different events, you know, across right. things that Matthew saw and John wrote about separately are very, very similar in yeah. what Jesus said, what Jesus did. So a lot of those line up, even though the disciples split up. And, you know, there are tons of rabbit holes we can go down here. But I think that what we talked about with the embarrassing testimony the timeliness of the writings, the validity, even though a bunch of different authors wrote about the same thing, those are probably the biggest ways that we can rely on the New Testament. Yeah, and it's all about getting the original writing, right? Like a lot of these authors could have written multiple copies that were originals, and then people copied that, and people beyond their generations copied that because there were no printers back then. Right. Um, So I guess the next question would be, like, how much have those copies diverted from the original? Because we want to be studying what the first witnesses remembered, and we don't want there to be uh, a difference between someone saying, oh, this took 12 days to happen versus someone else saying this took 40. It's like, well, what do we trust? And I think one of the biggest things to note is with these variances, over 80% of those variances are grammatical errors, spelling errors, words that were in different places, or maybe a single word was translated differently. Um, And they're not like core Christian belief altering mistakes. And that's something that's really important to note because some people will claim, oh, if there were so many copies that we collected, how how do we know which one's true? Well, we can date stuff, right? We have archaeology and technology to date things. And we got smart people out there (laughs) figuring that stuff out. And they're not all like Christian and biased, but you know, these are archaeologists who do their job well and according to whatever standard internationally that may be. Um, but I'm sure we have more than one set of eyes kind of uh, concluding what what uh, a document is and what it isn't. Yeah, and I personally find it fascinating. I know there are people who dedicate their whole careers to being able to prove the New Testament and yeah. the validity of its writing and the reliability of its authors, and it's fascinating stuff. We could go on all day about it. But another common question that I think a lot of people have, not just about Christianity, but about a lot of other types of faith is, you know, why would I choose to believe in this when I know that I will have rules that restrict me? You know, why Mm -hmm. would I choose to be restricted when I could live free and not worry about the consequences of my actions? Yeah, that honestly reminds me of episode 11, when we talked about how to really find freedom. And Please go check that episode out because we pretty much talk about why uh, true, true um, un unbondaged freedom is actually not freedom at all. That true freedom comes with rules 
and uh, if God did indeed design us and create us to live here, and if he is a good God, and if he created a a text for us to understand him and his story more, then I think he has the best say about how we should be living our lives. That's my kind of logical follow through with that. I think a a big part of this is the reason that we live, right? I think that having this faith gives us a different purpose in our lives. And I heard a really great quote the other day where someone said, you know, people ask, oh, you're a Christian. Don't you want to be out partying and drinking? And I believe it was uh, Pastor Rick. And he said, I party and drink as much as I want, which is never, right? (laughs) We have this purpose and this source of joy and the source of hope that we're able to lean on and rely on for joy for um, hope for a sense of community and we don't have at least I don't have that draw for social acceptance or for partying or a lot of those more mortal and more worldly satisfactions we don't need those as much because we have Mm -hmm. this greater purpose this greater love and we're able to rely on that and accept a lot of that and I think that just changes our priorities more than the feeling of being restricted where I just, you know, I, I have to sit at home and I can't go party because God told me not to, right? I don't think that's (laughs) the way it is. Right. And in a similar vein, like we don't go to someone who claims to be an atheist and say, why don't you want to go to church? You know, like, why don't you want to pray? It's like, no, we both have different approaches to what the world is. And that is what influences our decisions. If something negatively affects your life, then that's when you start to kind of second guess like your identity, what you really want to be involved in, make decisions about your life there. But naturally, what what we learn is is and what we expose ourselves to and surround ourselves with is what we're going to be attracted to and the kind of lifestyle we want to be building and by no means are we perfect in doing that but we do think that surrounding yourself in that being a part of a community a church and and friends who love and care about you is only going to help you grow towards being a more mature christian so in in my view, I, I personally don't feel restricted by quote-unquote rules of Christianity. The Bible tells us very clearly that we're given the freedom of choice. And there are some Christians who feel more restrict, restricted in the choices that they're able to make. And as brothers and sisters, we're supposed to respect their sensitivities. And that's okay. But at the same time, we are also not called to be overly free to the point where we're falling back to sins and addictions and uh, that are not good for us. So it's not the temptation itself that destroys us, but it's the act of uh, acting upon those that that do. And uh, rules are there to help us. There are rules everywhere you go. If you find a place without rules, I think you'll find very quickly you don't want to live there. If anything, I think a lot of the guidelines and commandments that the Bible gives us help us in the long run, even if it may seem hard to conform to or hard to follow at all times, it's usually for our own good. And it's hard to see that at first, but through following the culture and the community and the laws that we have, I've found myself a lot more happy and feeling more free through that discipline and through following through with my beliefs. Yeah, Um, I think there's also kind of a misconception with what what kind of rules the Bible has. Uh, we don't, ha- we don't like wake up and read through like the 10 commandments every morning. <laughs> like that's not, that's not what it is. Yes. The 10 commandments are in the Bible and it has a purpose. And it also just so happens to be a list of things that are not good to do in general for any person. So, right. um, 
if you you could write a list of all the things you shouldn't do and tell and you know teach yourself all of that but ultimately the bible summed up uh very simply in loving god and loving loving your neighbor but a lot of a lot of churches will say that christianity is a relationship and not a religion because religion is tied to rule following and for us it's not like a it's not a tally marking kind of kind of faith it's it's really like a you know i want to I want to be and feel closer to God and I want to make better decisions and know who he is in order to do that. And so I would say like there's freedom in knowing God and sometimes he has answers directly out of the Bible that happen to be those rules. So I think, I think we need to put away this idea that Christianity is just this do and do not list just by my experience being a Christian for a couple decades now that's just that's not the case if anything i would say that the bible is much more a book of wisdom than a book of rules like i think a lot of it is very wise insight and guidance and understanding for a lot of things that we either can understand and can grow in understanding or Mm -hmm. things that we know we will never be able to understand and i don't think there are as many hard and fast rules of you know do this or else this as much as encouragement and you know if you follow this then there is a promise that you will receive and i think it's a much more encouraging and much more helpful book as opposed to these really restrictive rules yeah so even like going off of those rules matt like some people would argue well isn't christianity unaccepting to some extent because of its rules yeah that's i think that's something we hear a lot in culture is that you know if you're christian then you must not accept all people you must not accept people who disagree and i don't think that could be further than the truth many times the bible calls us to love everyone you know regardless of their status, regardless of their background, regardless of their beliefs, we're supposed to treat everyone fairly, equally, with love. And even if someone doesn't agree with us, even if people are very hostile to us, right, we're called to turn the other cheek, to speak words of encouragement when we can, and to be a source of hope for those people, to be a good example. I think that acceptance is a lot of what Christianity is based on, and a lot of that, a lot of what we are called to do is very simple and just loving our neighbor and putting love out there and sharing the hope that we have. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely right. Um, and you and I can attest to where like, we felt like we were at that place as well. There were long periods in our own lives where we weren't Christian or acting Christian or whatever you call it. And we're thankful for people who loved us and cared about us enough to tell us what the truth was to say, hey, this New Testament is a bunch of testimonies about who Jesus is. I believe it. And I think you should, too, because it changed my life and it changes your life for the better. And naturally, you want to share something good with other people. You don't keep a light hidden under a rock like you want it to be shown to the world. And so feel like if Christians didn't share what they believed in, people would also be upset one day when they find out, well, I didn't had no idea about this. Like the Christians never told me. And it's just like, this is our duty to tell people and you don't have to accept it if you don't believe it. But I, if this is what I'm called to do, like if it's threatening you by what I say, um, I'm not going to go into your life and throw things all over the place and mess it up. Like, your life decisions are you. If there's something you feel convicted about, that's your conscience, you know? Like, I'm just here to deliver what what is truth. 
Right. And I think that's where a lot of the feelings of an acceptance can come from is the approach and the way with which you share the word, right? right. There are people who can be very abrasive, very... The picket signs. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very polarizing, like they want to get the shock and awe and tell you yeah. what you're doing is horrible. And yeah. I don't think that's the way we're called to share it, right? We're supposed to be gentle. We're supposed to be humble. And it's this yeah. exciting truth and hope that we can share. And if people aren't open to it, it's not our burden to be rude we're not supposed to you know force something on someone we're supposed to share it encouragingly and truthfully and honestly and if that person you know accepts it that's amazing and it's so exciting and if not then that's not something that you can control yeah i will say different methods do work for different people like some people might be motivated by the whole like oh you're going to hell thing but for the most part in this country i don't think that works well right. and i really think the best thing is having personal relationships with people um and loving them in a very personable way, personal way. Um, so, I mean, that it's unfortunate to you and people get turned off by that. But again, going back to what apologetics is, right? We're not, we're not trying to just shove information down people's throats. Like we believe that this stuff is true and we're either, we're either like not right about it or we are and we're choosing the you know we think that we're right about this route and that's why it's so important and if anything even if you don't believe if you're a non-christian and you hear about christianity even if you don't believe in christianity i think you need to have like some respect in you for someone who's willing to share with you something that they believe will save humanity. Like, just think about that, right? Even if it's, if it's false, like you can call us crazy, but I, I just wouldn't, uh, I, it doesn't make sense to spit on someone for sharing what they believe is truly true. Unless they like believed the person sharing their beliefs, um, was doing so in an evil way where they're just trying to turn everyone towards a negative path. Then, that's when you should be angry. But otherwise, if people get angry, then I think there's something else going on in, in their hearts that they just aren't aligned with, with God. And it's not our responsibility to convince people. I think it's our responsibility to convince ourselves. Right. I think it's sharing what we know to be true and what we believe in. And I think the example you gave about sharing a light and not keeping it hidden is strong. You know, it's kind of like finding a good deal or finding a sale. I'm going to tell you about it because I care about you, you're my friend, but you might not need that thing, you might not want that thing, right? I, I'm not supposed to make you go buy this thing because I found a good deal on it. But as someone who cares about you, I want to share that with you. And I think mm -hmm. that's more of the approach that can be taken. So going with the whole unaccepting talk that we were in, um, how can Christians say they love you but tell you that you're going to hell? And I think we kind of sort of talked about that. Like if you did believe someone was going to hell or say metaphorically on, on a sinking ship, who like, what kind of person would you be if you didn't tell them that they were on a sinking ship and they couldn't see that themselves? Like if you yourself was saved off of it because someone told you, shouldn't you be telling those behind you as well? Right. I think that's a big part of it is that we want to bring salvation to everyone. We want to bring the good news and, I think that a lot of the negative understanding of this and the negative viewpoints of this come from this idea that this is what Christianity is, is 
sending people to hell because of something. Whereas Mm -hmm. we know based on our understanding and based on study of the Bible that God sent Jesus Christ to allow us to escape from that and to give us heaven, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. something that he created hell after heaven was there to send all the bad people to. It was that he created heaven to bring all the people that he loves and that believe in him to. And I think that it's much more encouraging in the way that you're saying that it is this amazing thing and this eternal purpose and understanding and place that we can be that we can share with others and escape something that no one wants to face regardless of if they believe or not and i think that that understanding of where heaven and hell come from makes a big difference and also the approach with how you share it with someone is important and saying that you know i have this understanding and this belief and because i love you i want you to experience this too as opposed to the negative viewpoint of, if you don't believe what I believe, this bad thing is going to happen to you. Yeah, and I really like how a lot of religious and deep thinkers have phrased it, that if you spent your whole life on Earth not into God, what makes you think you would want to spend an eternity with him? Like, what? Like hmm. if, if heaven is being with God, which is what the Bible says it is, Either you have a misconception about what heaven is. Maybe you think heaven is uh, Twizzlers and ponies. <laughs> and, it, you know, that's that's not what we believe in. We believe heaven is this oneness with God. So why would God force you there? You know, why would he force you to be in his presence if you, if you didn't want him in the first place? So uh, figure out what your definition of heaven is and then ask yourself, is, is that aligned with what you've experienced on earth? Um, and if you really think that that is true, um, if you are someone who strongly believes that there is a heaven and that it is with God, I would believe that you have some sort of relationship with him, whatever you, whatever you may call it. Um, however mature that may be, I, I do think that part of your living life is affected by your belief that there is a God and there is a heaven in that case. And so naturally, as Christians, that's also what affects us in our day-to-day life. We can't not talk about it every so often <laughs> because for us, it's, that's the reality. Um, not not just for us, but like that just in, is a reality for everybody. It doesn't exist for us because we believe it um, exists because that's, that's what the Bible says. And We've learned a lot about the reliability of the Bible already through our Christian walk, and we've heard every question and come to terms with it. We're not going to be able to go through everything in this episode. Um, One of the biggest questions, though, I would love to address here, Matt, is, is God a God of war and suffering, um, or is he good? People always say he's good, but how can that be true if there is suffering and, and pain in the world? How can bad things happen to good people and and good things happen to bad people? Like, How does that make sense? This is such a big question. I'm glad we're talking about it. I think, especially for me, when you look at the Old Testament and you look at things that happen, you see all these times where God, you know, and it says God takes out his wrath, God shows anger, God, you know, hides his face from people. And you see all of these negative reactions and these punishments for people who turned away from God or didn't follow his commandments. And then when you look in the New Testament, you see a God who sent his son to die for us, right? And to die Mm -hmm. for our sins before we even committed those sins, who loves us knowing that we are going to make these sins. And it's really easy to see the instances of war, instances of people suffering, Mm -hmm. and not see that God loves us despite all of our sins, despite all of our faults. And the Bible shows us that 
the suffering and a lot of the pain that we feel is caused by our impurities and by right. our sins. But God is the one who sent Jesus to cleanse those, to tell right. us that even though we sin, he will forgive us. If you sin 10 times, he'll forgive you 11 times, right? That's mm-hmm. the God that he is. Right. And there are, you know, with everything, there is a carrot and there is a stick. And there are punishments and there are instances where God, you know, turned away from people in the Old Testament. Yeah. But he never stopped forgiving. Um, even, you know, when he made a commandment, there were instances where a follower or um, so a prophecy or someone would plead with God and he would hear their case and change his mind, right? He's not unreasonable. He is loving and he does so many things just through sending Christ, through listening, through, you know, even just giving us access to heaven, despite all of the sins that we've committed. Like, I think that it's easy to look at certain instances of suffering and see all of the suffering in the world, but not see what God's purpose is and who God is through what he does. Yeah, and you you went on a good point there talking about how suffering and pain started with humanity. Like there is free will and you can study books and books and maybe get a a degree or PhD in what free will is and do your thesis on that. But um, our belief is that there is free will. As far as I'm concerned, I am deciding to talk on a podcast that I also part decided to create. So uh, I believe I have free will and choice. And um, the story of the Bible is that there were two people on earth and they messed up. And then God became the ultimate Google Maps rerouting calculator where every time someone (laughs) made a mistake, God said, rerouting, you know, wrong turn, rerouting. Mm. And he was still there. And um, I mentioned earlier in this episode that God is reasonable. And when when something really wasn't working for a person, like God was willing to have conversations with people to change their uh, punishments or consequences or outcomes. Like he is moved by our our will to change our heart and make better decisions for our lives. And I think that's when we can become closer to him. Um, But overall, there is free will. And we're either going to make a good choice or a bad choice. And there's a lot of choices that are neither good nor bad. But I think I think the war and suffering part and even even disease and cancer, I believe come from a lot of them, I'm not saying all but a lot of them come from bad choices that people make. Um, having high stress causes cancer, right? Smoking too much causes cancer, not taking care of your body, spending too much time outside or spending too much time inside can cause unhealthy things for your body. And things like incest too is not good for future generations. Um, Sleeping with many different people results in STDs. There's just so many things about our own actions that result in sicknesses. Um, Obviously, it doesn't cover a lot of them. um, And a lot of things that we, you know, we just don't understand why they happen. But I mean, I think free will is a big part of it. And I also think God has free, the biggest free will. He can choose to change any course of someone's life if he so chooses to. He can. And I think one message that I'd like to leave with here is if you're a Christian, I hope this is a message of encouragement and that it's okay to question things. It's okay to revisit, you know, basic truths that we accepted long ago. It's good to reevaluate and to confirm and to validate the things that you believe. And if you don't believe, if you're considering belief, I just want to say that 
God loves you. God will meet meet you where you're at. He will accept you with open arms. It's so exciting, and we hope that we can be a part of that journey there. And just thank you for listening and being a part of this today. Uh, if you'd like to follow us along with us, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you want to send us a DM, send us a message about anything you'd like to hear us discuss. We also have, gosh, a over a dozen episodes now so please (laughs) go back through the backlog make every effort to listen to all of those old episodes catch up and be a part of what we're doing here thank you guys we are so blessed a little stressed and making every effort to figure out the rest see you in part two